This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, 795, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you, who are compassionate and understand and appreciate science and how it can help us. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 795. I'm the Internet's Paul Montgomery, and I used to co-host this show. That's and right. this week, I'm filling in for Josh Flanagan, hopes to make bail soon. And this is Josh's co-host, <laughs> Connor Kilpatrick. Paul, it's good to talk to you. Connor, what cartoons are we talking about today? <laughs> Batman, The Long Halloween, part two. That's next week, actually. Okay. Yeah. We are iFanboy, and every week we read our stack of comics. One of us picks the one they like the best. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book. We talk about other books. We talk about the patron pick. We answer some listener mail if we have some time. We have fun. Here's your spoiler warning. <laughs> Exercise some caution. It's like riding a bike this week. Connor had the pick. Weird week, Paul. You and I talked about this earlier in the week. Yeah, we had some, some tense texts back and forth. It wasn't a bad week. It was another week where I had, like, pushing 30 books. I think I had 26 books when all were said and done. 27, I think, I read with a patron pick. Ooh. Ooh. It was a week where, I think you summed it up rightly, where there's a lot of, like, solid books that were moving the story forward, but nothing, like, super amazing happened. But yeah. right after we had that conversation was I was getting to the end of my Marvel stack, my digital Marvel stack, and the last book I read, which is always the most anticipated of the stack... You know, DC on Tuesday, Marvel on Wednesday. It was Amazing mm-hmm. Fantasy number two from Kara Andrews and Joe Sabino. And I have to thank the patrons because the pa- Amazing Fantasy number one was the patron pick last month. And I hadn't planned on reading it. Josh and I read it, obviously, for the patron pick, and we both loved it. So this pick does not happen without the patrons. Thank you for voting for it last time. Yeah. And Paul, you also hadn't read this book before. I hadn't read this. And I don't know why, because the whole premise of it, the cover art. Yep. I was like, this looks like something for me. It's right up your alley. Right up my alley, and it turns out that it is. You read one and two this week. Yeah. So I'm all caught up. Good. The premise of this book, as we talked about last time, is that three Marvel heroes were plucked out of their time streams. 1940s Cap, 1960s Spider-Man, and 1980s Black Widow, and brought to this mysterious island-slash-floating asteroid. That is very much a fantasy world full of orcs and talking lizards. Frog people, cat people. Sexy ladies with gold skin. And also Uncle Ben. Yeah. And so we don't know what's going on. The first issue was all about the meeting the heroes and them getting taken to the island and their reaction to that. And now they have been there for some indeterminate amount of time. And they're, sort of settled, they're settling into their lives here on this island. Cap has discovered a village of women. There are no men, and he investigates that. Peter Parker is in the village with his uncle, Ben. Fishing. Fishing with Uncle Ben. He's a teenager. He's got a crush on the sexy gold-skinned lady, and there's the whole thing with dragons. And then Black Widow, because she's a pretty young girl, is being set up to marry the king. And so there's a lot of fantasy tropes here. 
It's a centaur man. The centaur man that sort of has a crush on Black Widow and might be reciprocated, and, she, and he's a centaur man. There's just a lot of fun fantasy things going on here, and it's just unusual. It's an unusual Marvel story. It is. I don't think I've ever read this story before, and you can't always say that about the comics you read every week. I really enjoyed it. Okay, that was my instinct as well, is that I have not read this before. As you said, there are tropes. There is a centaur man. Mm-hmm. There are... Just dragons, there's orcs. There's dragons and, yeah, and goblins and things and flying lions. And we've seen, you know, other realms and, you know, getting unstuck in time and stuff like that. We've seen that stuff before, but not quite like that. Like, there very well could be a romance between Black Widow and the Centaur Man next issue. I don't know. And that's exciting. It feels fresh, even though... There are these sort of familiar trappings of of, of Centaur Man. We certainly had fantasy comics. We had, you know, the Warlord books, the Micro Warlord books, and that character pops up sometimes for DC characters to have their fantasy adventure. And you could say Amethyst is a DC fantasy story. But putting characters like this in a pure, pulpy environment, right down to the Frazetta-esque covers. Those are so fun. Is not, you know, it's a fun story. It's fun to see... Peter Parker bumbling his way around this village and not knowing what to do, and especially knowing he's a teen from the 60s. And Cap is in this village where there's no men, and they're like, you got to get out of here. And if he figures out that the village has been sacrificing their male children to the orcs, and it gets pretty dark. The yeah. orcs eat them. Yes. That's how they keep safe from the orcs, and that's fucked up. And he's taken on a young charge who has taken on the name America. Because the boys don't get named, because why name the boys when you're just going to go give them to the orcs for dinner? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's rough out there. It was dark, and you know, even Black Widow's attempted forced marriage to the king, not super dark, but still it's disturbing, and then that sort of takes a twist where it's not as disturbing as you think, which is good. It's all fun. It's these characters that you know and love playing in this new world. With, we must just said terrific Care Andrews art, who in the first issue deployed many styles of art, but in this issue lives in the one style, but it's just gorgeous. Just really gorgeous. Not to go too much back into the first yeah. issue, but that like Zip-A-Tone thing was pretty cool. The, yeah. You know, the dot pitch and everything. Yep. Really fun. And I feel like this is different than that Care Andrews work that I've seen before. Yeah. It's exciting and different. If I had to compare it to anything, I would say it, there's a bit of Scotty Young in there. Yeah, this is a Kara Andrews who went away for a while. You know, we first saw Kara Andrews was, I think we talked about this before last time, was I think it was on Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. I believe that's, that was it. And a very different style. And this is, seems like an artist who went off, and he did go off and leave comics for a while, and, and, and I think directed films, and sort of letting his artistic soul out. You know, this is not a style that I think would have worked back then, because it was a very different market. Yeah, really, really expressive and dynamic. I love the you know the pullout to reveal that oh this is an island floating in in space mm-hmm. and there is a I, I don't want to I'm I'm sure there are a lot of people who passed on on this but hopefully since you highlighted you know the first two issues people will check it out I think it's definitely worth checking out but I don't want to ruin the ending but the ending was like, oh it, yeah. it wasn't like an obvious cliffhanger yeah so this is again this is issue two of a five issue mini so we're just sort of. It's hard to even pace these things. Before you knew, every two issues you got an act break. Right. Well, I will say this. The cliffhanger is that a fourth Marvel character is joining the That's island. That's a good way of, yeah. And that character is from the mutant family. And it perhaps is not the one you're expecting. 
Yeah, exactly. I was like, and like even with all these clues, you probably wouldn't guess. And like, and the way that they appear, right, plucked out of the time stream at a very different time. And whatever the portent is, was like, oh, all right, this is going in a completely different direction than I expected. And the thing is, like, with a story like this, where they're totally out of time and continuity, I mean, the continuity doesn't make sense. Caps from the 40s, okay. Pete's from the 60s, and then Blackwood's from the 80s. None of that makes sense. It just allows them to have fun. There's no expectations, mm-hmm. and therefore it means anything can happen. And that's exciting. And I'm curious to see, I mean, in the first issue, Uncle Ben basically says we're dead this is like limbo or whatever yeah and we just need to live our lives and one thing that i really like about it is the confidence to set this in a lived-in world Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily meet characters we're just sort of like thrust into the situation just like the characters are yeah just existing hierarchies and the different tribes as as they refer to them for the different races and peoples that yeah. live in this place like suddenly like a character is like a character we know like black widow is suddenly just talking to a character that she has come to know over these past weeks or months or whatever it's been and there's not a formal introduction for us you just kind of have to catch up with it and so I, I love that it feels like this like i don't know if Kara andrews has like extensive notes on this or <laughs> It was just like, you know, on the seat of his pants kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But that's really confident and and really interesting. So Because it, it feels like you're in a place that has a history. Yeah, no, for sure. There, they feel like there, he, has a, he has a map somewhere and he has like a backstory. Because there's kings and there's a palace and there's tribes. So it, it's Like just is there a, a Silmarillion of, of whatever right. this world is, this amazing <laughs> fantasy? They also do the thing where, where Pete says, this is an amazing fantasy in, in his narration. And you're like, oh, come on. But but then again, I'm okay with it. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. I was very excited mm-hmm. to see this issue was out for a book that wasn't even on my radar, which is my favorite thing. You know, when a book surprises me and I'm yeah. excited for the next issue. Sometimes it's not the thing that you're anticipating for months. Like, oh, I can't wait for exactly. this maxi series to start that they've been hyping up and promoting. It's like this, what is this odd thing? And it's interesting that it it came about on a week where a lot of books are, like you said, just setting the groundwork for Like, I think what I said was like comics have crests and troughs Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of trough this week. And that's not like you need that to get, it can't just be bang, 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 bang every issue unless it's that beta Ray bill miniseries. which was awesome. (laughs) But yeah, most of the, you need to, you know, have these quiet moments you and, and do the work or things and you got to do the work to to build up to those crests. So this was really exciting and a good way for for me to end out my my reading this week awesome. and on a on a really high note. I'm glad so, you enjoyed it as much as I'm yeah. enjoying it. Speaking of what is this weird thing? Avengers Annual number 1. This is the final issue of the Infinite Destiny's storyline. They've been running through all these annuals that have, has no connective tissue. It makes no sense, and I don't know why they did it. Mm. However, I really like this issue, and until I read Amazing Fantasy, this had a good chance of being the pink of the week. It's written by Jed McKay and art by Travel Foreman with Jim Campbell and colors and Corey Pettit and letters. And first of all, this is terrific Travel Foreman. Mm-hmm. We've been seeing him recently a lot doing DC Digital stuff, the Batman book, the one with Luke Fox as Batman. Luke Fox? I am Batman. Is that? Yeah, he's, he did right? that. He did those, and he did some other random issue. And it was not the travel foreman that we all really liked. Mm-hmm. They like took out all the backgrounds. And it seemed like he didn't really get to spend time on it. This was like a travel foreman who clearly spent a lot of time on these pages. I thought this was just gorgeous. I love the way this book looked. 
So all of these issues have been one-shot stories involving a Marvel character interacting with an obscure character who now has possession of one of the Infinity Stones. And so here, Steve and Tony, Captain Iron Man, representing the Avengers part, have to go save a robot. Synthetic human. Synthetic person? Yeah, whatever that is. Synthesoid? He calls himself a synthetic person. The the um the opening scene is is really good. That was yes. that was honestly my favorite part. Is that he's 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 basically being racially profiled by some neckbeards in a like a truck stop. Yep. And he's basically explaining his preferred nomenclature for being a, a synthetic person and and what synthesis means. And a cyborg guy <laughs> comes to his aid. It feels kind of similar to Amazing Fantasy in a way. It's just like you just kind of have to roll with things. Right. Like they don't explain why the cyborg arm guy shows up. It's just whatever. But like I cared about him because yeah. he, you know, went out as he was a, he was a good Samaritan and stepped in to stop these guys who are harassing this little robot dude. Yeah. Meanwhile, Steve cooks way too many eggs and bacon to eat for breakfast. <laughs> As well as pancakes. You know, they end up having to show up and, and save them from, what is this creature called? Multitude. This robot has the soul gem, or stone. Right. And so they get in a big old fight. It just felt very classic Marvel. I liked Tony and Steve together. I thought it looked terrific. I liked the main character, this robot character. I thought everything about this issue worked. I think Jed McKay is an incredibly fun writer. He tells really fun stories. Yes. I, like, I immediately got this character. Yeah. And it's fun when they break off the Avengers into just like a pairing mm-hmm. sometimes. And he had, he had real fun with their relationship. These are guys who have known each other, for, been through so much. And now they've just got to track down this kid who's got this crazy cosmic thing going on. So I think, I think in terms of the script, I really like that opening scene, yep. just setting the scene. And then... Art-wise, I really liked when all these souls start coming out of this yeah. multitude character that is fused with the robot kid. And you see all these characters like Juggernaut and Magneto and who else is in there? But it's but it's this like big, you know, Doctor tableau of, and, of crazy yeah. characters. And then he realizes to stand a chance against Iron Man and Captain America, he has to like basically create manifestations of them to fight each other so he creates a, an iron man to fight cap and a cap to fight iron man there's a great image of iron man towards the end where he's been messed up and i love when they play with the fact that you know the old like you know tin head thing mm-hmm. where his helmet's basically caving in yeah. and just in, in that art style it, it just looked really funny he's like <laughs> yeah and the one of the eyes is busted out yeah it, yeah this was incredibly fun. I don't know why we did this. Fun. I don't know what the point of it was. Yeah. I don't know what the connected tissue was. It clearly was late because it continues into Black Cat, which has already come out. But this little mini story that went through the annuals ended up being fun for the most part, even if it doesn't really make any sense. One of the books I was really excited about, Superman 78, number one, Robert Benditti, Wilfredo Torres, Jordi Belair, Dave Lafier. This is the companion book to last week's Batman 89, number one. And we, we talked there about... How, that was fun, but had some weird choices and problems. I like that book. I think I like that book more than you guys did. Oh, clearly. But that book was written by Sam Hamm, the writer of the Batman 89 film. This is written by Robert Venditti. And mm-hmm. thus, I think, slightly more of a successful comic book experience. Also, unlike the Batman 89 book, this book using the actors' faces. 
Okay. I don't know yeah. what the difference is. I don't know if there's a likeness rights issue. Obviously, Christopher Reeve is dead. So is Jackie. What's his name? Perry White. Oh, right. Jackie something. He's a famous actor. Anyway. Jackie Cooper? Jackie Cooper. You know, like all the principal actors in Superman are dead. I mean, Gene Hackman's not dead, but the rest of them are. So I don't know if that was an issue. But here, this felt more like it was in the world of Superman 78. Yeah, it, it feels like a fulfillment of that. And like, have we not? We haven't had a, any live action depiction. Well, no. Except for TV. Yes. Of Brainiac. No. My thing is, like, there's been so many Superman movies. Brainiac would be so awesome on screen <laughs> these days. You've been like, saying that for years. I, yeah. <laughs> Give me a Brainiac. He's a great villain. When people complain about Superman, part of it is that he's too powerful, and the other part is that he doesn't have compelling villains, which I disagree with. Both. Exactly. But, like, the thing is, Brainiac, I think, would be a compelling villain to audiences. And, I agree. And anyways, this isn't, it's not too campy. No. It feels like a real threat having Brainiac out there. I love the idea of Lois getting hot dogs for breakfast and and Clark <laughs> being like, "What? I don't think this is not a, good idea. a balanced breakfast. I don't know. It opens with a classic bumbling Clark Kent saving the day while Lois doesn't realize it. And then jumps to a classic Perry White speech to Clark and Jimmy. I could hear all the actors' voices. Yeah. So... Just, like, wholesome and fun, and they got the voice. I thought this totally fulfills the idea of let's do a sequel Mm -hmm. to Superman, the motion picture, or those Superman movies in general. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I like this. It was fun. Yeah. This is the Superman I like. This is when he gets to use his heat vision, but it's not trying to melt somebody's head. (laughs) Right. Like, not trying to kill Batman. It's giving him a hot foot. Yes. Thor 16... Or 742. <laughs> Donnie Cates, Michelle Bandini on guest art with Elisabetta D'Amico on inks and Matt Wilson and Josephino again. And this is part two of three of this in-between storyline, this quick little storyline in between the last big arc with Donald Blake. Yeah. This feels like an in-between issue in an in-between arc. Yeah. And it's really, like, it's strong. I really enjoyed Donnie Cates' run on, on yes. Thor. I did not think anybody could possibly follow up on what jason aaron did but i've really enjoyed this whole run and of course i'm excited to see the next big cataclysmic you know stuff that happens and we and we get a good tease at the end here but this is just a a really solid there's some really solid cartooning in here yep from bandini and the interaction between thor and jane foster is great we find out that thor is the quintessential new yorker (laughs) Did you find, being the real-life quintessential New Yorker... She said, it sounds like you're from Orange County. Now, there is no Orange County outside of New York. But he sounded more like he was from Orange County, California. The way he was ordering hot dogs. Since you're a transplant to California, you can speak to both of those. Exactly. I don't think anybody from Orange County, New York, sounds like anything. I've been there. I was not aware of Orange County, New York. Orange County Choppers. There was that reality show about the motorcycle guys. That was where they were. Okay. The whole thing here is that Thor, and I forgot exactly how, looked into the abyss and saw his death. And it involved Thanos wielding Mjolnir embedded with all the Infinity Stones, plus having that crazy arm. And so he's haunted by the fact that he's seen his death. And the only thing I can knock this book and Donny Cates' run a little bit for is that we seem to be like in a never-ending cycle of Thor 
doesn't have confidence. Thor is scared. Thor can't use his hammer. Is he worthy? Since the whole Jane Foster Thor era, I feel like we've been on that train and it's been years, years and years. Well, that's my only knock on it, but that's not really his fault. Yeah. But I mean, it's a core conceit of the character. I think the MCU definitely picked up on it. Yeah, it's just it's with just, the yeah. worthiness or unworthiness of Thor. But yeah, there are other aspects that you could you could highlight. It's a fine story to tell, but they've just been telling it for five years. Yeah, you know, just like all right, I'm just. But I like the book. Yeah. I just, this was a fun issue. I liked the issue. Yeah, my concern is like I've never been a huge proponent of, and this is the spoiler of the Angela thing coming yeah, oh, back yeah. in. I forgot, I forgot about that, and then that's the last page reveal is. Thor's sister Angela from the Spawn Neil Gaiman Spawn. stuff, and just like, oh no, I forgot. Oh damn it! Because they basically had her out with the Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, and, and doing cosmic stuff, and and hasn't been so wrapped up in Thor's thing. And now Frigga, with a great design, yeah, is back with Angela, and Angela. They could do something interesting with it, but just it it's, it just feels weird. It just feels like this. I don't know. It feels like when. Mortal Kombat brings in like Freddy Krueger or the Xenomorph or something like I don't yeah. I, like this is a thing from another property coming in here and it's not cool in the way that John Constantine would show up in Swamp Thing you know it was a mistake the first time let it go I told you it just takes me it. out of it like I think like oh right that that whole rights thing and courtrooms and like I I, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. Let's take a quick break here and talk about how you can help support iFanboy and our various shows. It's how you keep us going on the air in an era of listener-supported entertainment. So that's the era we're in. And we thank everyone who helps the show out any way they can. We do appreciate it. Over the past few years, our patrons over at patreon.com slash iFanboy have unlocked tons of new shows for you to listen to, for everyone to listen to, like the Talksplodes and the Booksplodes, the Mediasplodes. They've unlocked the YouTube content being uploaded that Paul's in some of that. They have obviously added the patron pick to the show. They've also unlocked for themselves the monthly patron hangouts and their own Discord and Facebook communities. There's a lot of stuff the patrons have done for everybody, and we do appreciate them. We mentioned this before. We've got a new stretch goal over at patreon.com slash ifanboy, and that stretch goal is that we will start covering TV shows again. Paul knows because Paul used to do that a lot with us. We stopped doing TV show coverage because it's just a lot of work. But we will bring it back if we hit the next stretch goal. We won't cover every TV show. That's crazy that one show does that already. We'll cover the ones we're already watching, and we'll do a wrap-up episode when they're done, like we did with Invincible, like Paul and I are going to do with What If. Also, back then, it was like a novelty. And there were like four shows. Yeah. And now it's everything is in some way related to So if we hit our next stretch goal, that's what we'll add to our, our rotation of podcasts is TV show coverage. And then, of course, after that, our next stretch goal is the barbecue video show coming back on a quarterly basis. So if you feel like you want to help the show out directly, patreon.com slash ifanboy is one of the best ways to do it. Also, ifanboy.threadless.com. That's where you can buy our t-shirts. Of course, the designs are available in other things beyond t-shirts, but most people buy t-shirts. We have nine designs now. We have ifanboy logo, Herm, Pick a Week podcast, ratings, if one is Electro, GDAT, when nothing makes sense, nothing matters, stay home and read comics. And we've added back one of our original designs, the Power Responsibility shirt, which is available now on the store. Last week, we said we would have another one out by the time you heard the show. That turned out to be wrong because Threadless has slightly changed the way they're printing the shirts, so we wanted to test it first. So we ordered some test versions of the next two designs that are going to go in the store. So as soon as we get the shirts and see they look good, we'll flip a switch and they'll be available. So soon we'll have 11 designs, and then there's a 12th that is being worked on right now. So we'll have 12 designs by the end of the year. Yeah, make sure the shirts have the right number of holes in them. Right, obviously. 
No more than one, two, three, four. No more than four, a little less than two. Yeah. Check it out at fembo.thirdless.com. Fembo.com slash support is our PayPal tip jar. People do leave tips, and we thank you for doing that. And at fembo.com slash Amazon, that's where you can find links to find the books that we talk about on our Booksplode show, as well as a general Amazon link. And we thank everyone who does that. Like I said, we are listener-supported, like most shows you listen to are, and we thank everyone who does that. We wouldn't be able to do the show without you. Thank you. And just to be clear, I'm not through the largesse of the listeners living like The Great Gatsby. Let's talk about The Great Gatsby number two from Clover Press, a story by F. Scott Fitzgerald, which I never thought I'd be typing into the script. That was written. Script by Ted Adams. I did a double take. That's how it's written in the book. Script by Ted Adams, art by Jorge Coelho, colors by Inez Amaro and Robbie Robbins, sounding like a Spider-Man character on letters. And (laughs) I wanted to mention just a couple reasons. One, Great Gatsby is obviously one of the best American novels of all time. Now that it's in public domain, you're getting these things like comic series and their graphic novels coming out. Right. Get ready for Great Gatsby content. I've been really enjoying this miniseries. I think Jorge Coelho is a terrific artist. The thing that I can't get over, though, and it bugs the mm-hmm. crap out of me, is for some reason they changed the physical appearance of all of the main characters. And I don't know why. So, for instance, Gatsby traditionally described and portrayed as your fair-haired paragon of beauty your Leonardo DiCaprio, your Robert Redford, looks like Clark Gable. He's got dark hair. He's got a mustache. Nick, who is usually portrayed as a brunette, is blonde. Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire, Sam Waterston, depending on who you prefer. Sam Waterston was obviously better. Of course. Tom, and this is what really bugs me. This happened in the first issue. I don't remember if we talked about it or not. Tom is portrayed as a brunette. And in the first issue, they have him standing there in his introductory page and the copy on the caption says, Tom was a sturdy, straw-haired man of 30. And yet they have him portrayed as a brunette. I don't understand what's happening. And the, why it's a problem is I don't know who I'm looking at. You know, at one point uh, in the second issue, that's when Nick attends his first Gatsby party, trying to find who, this Gatsby character. And at one point, he's sitting at a table with him. And it's just it's a guy who looks like Clark Gable. And he goes, oh, I'm Gatsby. And I was like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. So that's the only downside to this otherwise terrific comic that looks great and obviously is telling one of the great stories of American literature. Now, party. I did not read this. How lavish, how well do they You're capture? You're talking about a Baz Luhrmann party versus, uh, you know, it's not, it's not, other. It's, not, it's, not uh, it's not quite Baz Luhrmann, but, you know, okay. it's extravagant as any of Gatsby's parties. How about what, the, the eyes of T.J. Hooker or whatever, Dr. whatever? You know, the sign. Yes, the issue opens with Tom and Nick visiting Tom's mistress by the sign. Right. T.J. It's not T.J. Hooker. Eckelberg. No, yes, it's T.J. Hooker. There you go. T.J. Eckelberg. And so that, yeah, so that's there. I think this is terrific. I think everyone should read Gatsby. And also they should read it, understand what they're reading, and not throw Gatsby parties, because that's not the point. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Winter Guard. So I was excited to check this out because, was it earlier this year? Time has no meaning anymore, as you know. It was four years ago. I took part in a RPG with my Dungeons and Dragons oh, group cool. that has been keeping me sane throughout the quarantine. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful comics writer David Gallagher is part of that group, and mm-hmm. he ran an RPG where we played members of the Winter Guard. Oh, interesting! And it ran Were for the bear? a few weeks. I was uh, no, I was Perun, hmm. the um, Soviet answer to Thor, as he's depicted here. He's the god of storms. 
Huh. And I would have him do my favorite move in the RPG was because David is a very lax dungeon master and lets <laughs> you do kind of whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I did the M. Bison thing where I would spin around in electricity and I would burrow under the ground and then come up under the bad guy and uh-huh. get him. Anyways, this is cool because this is sort of bringing the Winter Guard, if you're not familiar with the concept, is basically the soviet answer to the avengers right there's a version of the vision there's a version of captain america and of course there's a giant bear which i guess is the hulk but ursa major (laughs) and so this is sort of bringing in line these characters from decades of comics sort of close to how they were in the black widow movie this year right it's not exactly one to one but i think they're trying to you know get it back to a point where you know you so you have black widow you have Yelena Belova, the White Widow. There's also a Red Widow now. All the colors. It's like Green Lantern all over again. Exactly. And, you know, there's talk of the Red Room and and all this stuff. And, and of course, Alexi's there with his beard. I don't know if Alexi, if Red Guardian has been depicted Mm -hmm. like this before the movie. But I think that movie kind of cemented the idea of who the Red Guard. Like, that's the thing with with the MCU. Like, when they bring in the lesser-known characters, they sort of create the standard. And so I think they're trying to sort of mesh those things. But it's Ryan Cady and art by Jan Basildua. And this is fun. If you're into, you know, espionage, spy stuff, Winter Soldier kind of stuff, I think you'll dig this. There's a lot of great action in it. Bad things happen to the Red Dynamo, who's sort of their answer to Iron Man. And it's just fun. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun with that Black Widow movie, and especially with Florence Pugh as Elena Belova. It's a, it's a cool character, and it's not exactly her here, but it's a fun cast of characters, and I'm in it to check out the rest of this miniseries. Cool. Superman's on a... Not 12, as it says in the script, but issue 2. What are your thoughts on this book? So Superman's son of Cal-El. Yeah. You know, I was hesitant about the idea of another Superboy and then, of course, aging up Superboy. Because you're a Connor Kent fan. You came from that era of comics. Sure. Yeah. I liked the stuff that Tomasi and mostly Gleason Mm -hmm. that did the stuff with Damien and Jonathan Kent. Super fun. So then, of course, let's age him up. I didn't know how to feel about that. I kind of like where they're going with this. They're doing something a little bit different with Jonathan, even different from like Superman himself. Taking Clark off the board as a noted Superman fan. Um Yeah. You do like it. I don't dislike it <laughs> because it's temporary. Is it? It's comics. There's no way to know anymore. They don't follow well, the rules anymore. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's true. We live in uncertain times. Here's what I liked about this issue. They gave him a new costume. Yeah. They got rid of the really terrible, articulated, futuristic costume. Yeah, I didn't like that. That was awful. And Superman gives him a new suit and says, I was saving this for you for later, but here, take this. And I do like the new suit. It's very Superman was still giving him a bit of a youthful appearance. I like the father-son interaction Mm -hmm. of just having a heart-to-heart on the moon, as you do. Sure. And then the idea that he's like, hey, Dad, why don't you solve all the world's problems? And so now he's going to find out what it's like trying to solve the world's problems and he gets into a situation you can't punch climate change right where you're helping refugees and i think there's some iffy moments in this like there's an almost school shooting yeah i don't know i wasn't super wild about the way that was handled i like the thing where 
Jonathan is really interacting with people like a person. And the idea here is I don't have an alter ego. He starts the issue wanting to have an alter ego. I laughed at that part where he he goes to high school and he's got a blonde wig on. And his name is Finn Connors. and Looks like a YouTuber. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that goes right out the window. He has to stop the school Right out shooting. the window, immediately. And then later on he meets a kid from school and the kid's like, yeah, that didn't fool anybody. Yeah, he's, he's introducing himself to this kid and he's like, my name is... And he's like, I know who you are. You're, you're Superman. And there's something interesting about that because we love these books like robin and ultimate spider-man and stuff where they do the team superhero stuff really well mm-hmm. ms marvel and those are great but it can wear thin when you get too deep into the oh i have to make sure my girlfriend doesn't know i'm a superhero or my aunt or my mom how am i gonna do homework and and it's just like all right we've seen this a billion times so how about a full-time superhero who is this all the time although what is interesting is if they don't do that Right. And it's a play on the Superman scenario, which I don't like in general. You know, basically at this point, all of his classmates now know that Superman or Superboy goes to their school. So he's the, the Does ultimate. Does he have to go to school? He's the ultimate big man on campus. Well, he's, you know, he's an American. He's got, there's rules, there's laws. Is he an American? Yeah. I guess he is. Although I don't know how old he is. He well, might, he was born. He, he might have been able to age out of school. See, that's a lot of red tape. It is a lot of red tape. I don't know. Like I said about the first issue, I like this creative team a lot. I like. Tom Taylor, obviously. John Timms, I think, is a terrific superhero artist. He does really fun, big action sequences. I like his faces. They've got a distinct look. I like everything about this art. It has a good energy to it. But I hate this scenario. I hate removing Clark. Apparently, the guy in the last page is a character from Wildstorm that I'm, I don't know. I don't like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, I must have missed a few because I wasn't reading Bendis's run on Superman. No, this like, is a Wildstorm is, character. No, it's something different. Okay. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but I just I'm still weary of the book. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. It's only issue two. Yeah, that's true. I do want to mention Strange Academy number 12, which really felt like the final issue, but I guess it's not. I thought I'd read that 12 was the final issue, and then the end of this, it says the end, so I thought it was the end, then I turned the page in and said, next issue, and I was like, whoa. Maybe it was doing well enough that like, they planned it to be 12 issues, and they're like, hey, do some more. Well, this certainly wraps up the 12-issue story. Have you been reading this? Because you would love this, I think. No, I have, I have not. You would definitely it's love this. This is Scotty Young, Umberto cool. Ramos... Edgar Delgado, Clayton Cowles, doing basically Harry Potter in Marvel with a magic school run by Doctor Strange. And it's full of all new kid characters, with a couple of ones we recognize, but for the most part, all new characters. And it's just been a really fun group. The camaraderie's great. There's crushes, there's dating. It's all the stuff you want to see from a teen school book. Terrific Umberto Ramos art. He's drawn every issue of this book, which is in this day and age incredible. Scotty Young tells a really fun story. It's inventive. We, we get to really explore the magic side of Marvel man things in this book oh well now i have to get okay yeah i thought this storyline ended up really well in which the the i just i don't know all their names but the the one kid who was possessed in the last issue we find that that the leather jacket he's wearing the whole time was actually the monster from the jason aaron dr strange book that dr strange ate and they flash back to it here where he ate like it was like misery in, in physical form and he ate it i remember distinctly that story where he had to eat the creature so the creature got out and decided he would become a leather jacket and hide on a teenager into school to get revenge. And so it's Isn't been there the whole Misery time. Misery the Pig from the Stephen King novel, no. right? Okay. And so they defeat it, and they, you know, everyone saves the day. And I thought it was terrific. This has been a terrific run. This was a terrific issue. This was a great little 12-issue story. And I guess we're getting a 13, so that's fun. That's good, because then, you know, if it goes downhill after this, 
you always have those first 12 issues, and it comes to a, a nice conclusion. And I think if you're looking for something to read someday, you should check that out. I think it's right up your alley. Those are the books we wanted to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, as we mentioned earlier, the patrons can vote to add a book to the rundown. It's called The Patron Pick, and they voted. Uh, it was not overwhelming. In fact, it was only by one vote for Echo Lands, number one, from the new Image comic series from J.H. Williams III, W. Hayden Blackman, Dave Stewart, and Todd Klein. I believe this is the standard J.H. Williams team. They were the ones who did Batwoman Mm -hmm. all those years ago. And this was a sideways comic. Yes, it was. It was told sideways. It was horizontal landscape format. And so just so, you know, for full disclosure, Paul and I read the review copy, which wasn't formatted for this, so... Like normally, no. if you read if you read sideways pages on the comicsology, <laughs> it's formatted for it, so you can read it. This I had to have it zoomed in, and I never really knew when the pages were ending. And yeah, it was like it kept bouncing around on my screen. But that it's no one else's problem. To, but I'm just saying yeah. this is this is what we were dealing with. I thought as an experiment, it was interesting. I thought it looks beautiful. Obviously, J.H. Williams is a terrific artist with a capital uh-huh. A, but I don't know. I didn't feel anything for the story, the characters, the first page tries to give you backstory on the main character but i don't think it was successful no you really didn't know who she was where she was what she wanted all the things you need to know about a main character it drops you right in the action after that but i don't think it ever did a really good job of establishing what we were doing i feel like this is the opposite of amazing fantasy yeah where I said that one felt like an existing world that you fell into like a world with history mm-hmm. this felt like let's throw everything at the wall Right. As it happens. It's cool visually that it's landscape and they make use of this like momentum movement to the right. And it feels like it's constantly moving, but I wanted it to slow down. I wanted I wanted to get to know this world. Yeah. But instead it was just like it just felt relentless yeah. and it felt shallow to me, even though the art was really sumptuous and, and beautiful and, and interesting with great compositions it just felt like just like here's some weird world building stuff they wear these helmets mm-hmm. these sort of like fascist guards they just like this and then everybody has like a weird like affected speech yeah and it, it's written out that way and that doesn't always work and here it, it, it just really did not work for me also this week, we had Nonstop Spider-Man, which is a book from Joe Kelly and Chris Mocello. Mm-hmm. And they've been trying to create this energy. You know, right. it's, it's supposed to be a story that just is constantly moving. They should have basically taken this format because it becomes sort of a side scroller where you just, you're just constantly scrolling. I get it if you're not Wait, reading. Unstoppable Spider-Man should have taken this? Nonstop Spider-Man should have taken non-stop, this for, sorry, sorry. format of... It should have taken this of yes. this book. Okay. I think they want to, but they're doing it in the vertical format. It doesn't really work. Whereas this, I agree with you. It felt like the action was nonstop. It kept going. You, you never got a breath. And it didn't work, but maybe it would have worked for Spider-Man if they'd tried this format out. Anyway, I'm just saying. It's like that Scott McCloud, you know, infinite canvas idea right. of a comic that just goes and like that's in a digital format where the idea he was espousing all those years ago was you're in like an internet browser right? and you can just move around. With this, it's a little bit limited by the fact that you do have page turns right. or like page clicks, depending on how you're reading it. But it just it's constantly moving to the right. And that's kind of cool for if you're doing a chase, which is at least part of the story in the beginning. Or a fight. Or a fight, yeah. 
but like I don't know, it just like I I never felt like I guess you're supposed to feel like kind of alienated or like a fish out of water in the strange world and everything's weird and like right. it, it has this like Alice in Wonderland kind of thing like I, yep. I get she's supposed to be like the main character is supposed to be like a little red riding hood kind of character but it's a lot of fairy tale mixed metaphors you're trying to hide i don't know that wearing a bright red cloak is the best way to do it no no i don't know it's so it's red riding hood and hagrid and hagrid kind of just with his dialogue really just threw me i i, I don't know I, I just couldn't get settled into the story yeah it didn't connect it just me. felt like i was being i was being pushed through the story yeah, which is unfortunate because, again, it was beautiful. I enjoyed looking at it quite a bit, poring over these giant vistas that J.H. Williams was creating with Dave Stewart. But story-wise, it just did nothing for me. Nothing. When Williams was on um, on Batwoman, yeah. were you into that? or I liked it. I didn't love sort of it. the same way. Same. Which is unfortunate. Let's do ratings on Echolands, number one. Ratings. Out of five ratings. I'm going to give it... Oof, oof. That's tough. It's tough. Two point... Seven five. It's not a three star book, but the art is so strong I can't give it to. Yeah, I think it's tough. The intent of it being a comic book, mm-hmm. even though it's beautiful, yeah, I'd have to give it like a two five. Are you sticking with Echo Lands? No, I'm not. No, I'm not either. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown, but if you give at the five dollar or higher level, you get your pseudo superpower live on the show. Like Nito Bazito. Nito Bazito's power is that Nito conjures up tiny little thunderstorms in the palm of his hands. So you get the clouds, you get the lightning and the thunderclap and the rain. Miniature size. All the, the stratus, the cumulonimbuses. You get everything, but it's all, all under, the, under the hand. So he points his hands down and initiates thunderstorms. Tiny ones, though. Daniel Roman, with a V, Roman, mm-hmm. he has the ability to fold a newspaper an infinite number of times. And, oh. Only a newspaper, not a piece of paper. It, no, it's, it, it has to be newsprint. So newsprint, you can just keep folding it, and it just keeps getting smaller and smaller. Or if he has, like, like say, if he has the Washington Post open mm-hmm. on his phone, he, he can, can fold, fold his, his phone. phone a bunch. And, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have all the problems that he doesn't crack the screen? companies are having. It doesn't no. crack the screen. Right. Interesting. Um, Chris Wig has a superhero name or villain, depending on Chris Wig's personality. Whip fingers. Oh, all of Chris's I don't like that. fingers extend into whips, and he can whip them. Whip fingers. Oh, I don't know. Whoops. That's very like that's very Slender Man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Whips. Sam Conti. Mm-hmm. Sam Conti. Yep. All of their fingers are <laughs> erasers. Finger erasers. So yeah. Are we talking like high end, like like artist erasers? Or are we talk? What are we talking? No, they're gonna leave those. Like if you're doing a scantron, they're gonna mm-hmm. leave that mark. So they're gonna leave a smudge. Yeah. Okay. They're gonna leave that smudge, but it's better than, you know. Whip wh- fingers. When do you see pencils anymore? Unless you're at the racetrack. Uh, right. Or I guess miniature golf. Miniature golf. But those don't usually have erasers. No, they don't. You're stuck with your score. You can't cheat. Right. Patreon.com slash iFanboy for Nito, Daniel, Chris, and Sam. Thanks for being patrons. You can get your own superpower live on the show if you give it the $5 high level. We have time for an email. Look at that. 
I'm feeling such a power rush from granting people powers. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about how I'm going to answer any questions. Patrick K. from North Carolina. Are speedsters jerks? Don't get me wrong, the Flash is my favorite character, but I think of when the speedsters entered the scene of battle with their teams, they get there at the same time. That means they sit around and wait for however long so they can show up at the same time. They could be doing something more useful, but they seem to not do anything before the battle. I've been thinking about this question for years. Well, sometimes, that, and that's, that's Patrick saying that, that's not Connor yeah. saying. You haven't no. been thinking about it for No, years. I have not, I have not. Okay. Sometimes they're the advance scout. Right. That they send ahead, or they, a lot of times they send the speedster off on a side thing. Mm-hmm. Like you go do this, and we'll handle the other thing. Speedsters just at just thinking like as a writer, I would not want to write a speedster character because how do they experience time? How do they experience? Oh, I wrote a whole article in the old days of a fanboy about how do speedsters experience time? Is it is it they see everything very very quickly, or are they experiencing it regularly and they're running for four years to get it somewhere? Like, it's a tough thing. I, mean, I think it was Dwayne McDuffie who famously said that the Flash was the hardest character to write on the Justice League cartoon because theoretically the Flash could just defeat any enemy or stop any threat. So they had to really right. think about how to stop that. The other thing is that sometimes the speedsters put into uh, piggyback mode you know it's like hey Batman go jump on the Flash's back and he'll carry you to the battle so he can't mm-hmm. run too fast like that because he'll kill Batman kill Batman don't want to kill Batman I don't, know, I don't think they're jerks maybe they got things to do you gotta think the life of the Flash is pretty busy so maybe when they're running to go face off with Darkseid he has time to run some errands I feel like they may come across as a jerk but it's not their fault no he just gotta get his dry cleaning and maybe pick up yeah. something for dinner later. And he can do that while, you know, the rest of the slowpokes are heading over to Darkseid. He's just maximizing his time. That's all they're doing. I just think it's so tragic that speedsters can't really be friends with other speedsters. Hmm. Because if the Flash TV series has taught me anything, it's that all of... Barry's major enemies are other speedsters. Right. It seems like every year. No other villains. Yeah. None. Also, everyone will eventually be a superhero. So there's no one to talk to about, you know. The stigma of being like. a speedster. Everyone thinks you're this, loafing. Everyone thinking you're a jerk. Also, yeah. just like experiencing time differently. Right. right. Because I remember, I remember what, what brought it about was that uh, Smallville did an episode where Lana briefly got powers. Mm-hmm. And she says something to Clark like, how do you handle this? Everybody's moving so slowly. And I was like, wait a second. Like, is that what we're supposed to think? I don't even want to get... That like, would completely change your perspective on the world and how you behave. Right. Like, and it would be all of the time. It's that's the, I think like when people try to experiment with that idea or explore that idea in a story about a speedster, it's just some of the time... Mm-hmm. Or it's like just when they're quote unquote using their powers, but like it would be all of the time. I think the only way it makes sense, and I don't want to deep dive on this. We're not Dr. Ryan Haupt, but I think the only way it makes sense no. for me is that they're no they experiencing everything very fast, but their brain is processing it differently. It's, you know, it's like they're, they're like a fly, you know, like they are experiencing things so fast, but their brain is able to process the information, so they're able to deal with it. That's the only way it makes sense to me. But again, I don't want this This actual thing, 
I thought about this in watching The Flash. It was around season two or three. I thought, what if the Speed Force is like the cloud mm-hmm. for the Flash's mind? Like, he has so much information that he has to process. He has to offload it to yeah. the cloud. And that's the Speed Force. And there's my pitch for the Flash. Please don't ask me to write the Flash because <laughs> it won't be good. It's, I'm not smart enough. So, no, I don't think they're jerks, Patrick. I just think they're considerate of their teammates. They don't want to show them up. Sometimes they're carrying their teammates. Sometimes they're going for a ride in the invisible jet. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen. Sometimes Flash stops for a bagel. Quicksilver isn't a jerk just because he's a speedster. No, he's a jerk because he's a jerk. There are other things going on. Nature-nurture situation. Yes. Contact.ifanboy.com is where Patrick wrote in. You can write in to be an email for this show. You can write an email in for Mediasplode. If you do that, please put Mediasplode in the the subject. And also, you may have noticed this is episode 795. You know what that means. In five more episodes, we'll be hitting episode 800, which is the... Traditional all-email show extravaganza. And so if you want to get your email considered for episode 800, please send it in. Write 800 in the subject line, and we'll start compiling those for the next four weeks for the 800th episode. You know, I edited, me and Ryan did a best-of show like 7,000 episodes ago. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You've done a lot of episodes is what I'm saying. It's a lot. It's a lot of episodes. Let's do some plugs. Let's talk about what else we got going on. Special edition, The Suicide Squad. Me and Paul and Mike Romo. And who else was on that show? Ryan? Hout. Ryan. Is that it? So you can check that one out on the feed. You can also find our most recent book, Splode, True Believer, The Rise and Fall of Stanley by Abraham Reisman, which has caused lots of consternation amongst the fans, understandably. We talk, even talked about it on the show. And then most recently, right behind this show in the feed, you can find our newest media explode in which we introduce the new segment, Old Men and Old Movies, and we review American Graffiti. A lot of fun. We didn't just do that. We also did our usual, where we talked about what we've been watching and re- listening to and reading in the last month. But within the main Can I ask why American Graffiti? Ron suggested it, and we discuss exactly why in the show oh, okay. itself. It okay. was a good one to start with. There's a lot of angles to take with it. And coming up soon, as I mentioned earlier, Paul and I are reviewing... Batman The Long Halloween Part 2. I believe that's coming up this week. That's the plan anyway. Yay. Trick or treat. You'll get that one. And then Josh's long overdue July. Talksplode is still out there in the ether somewhere. I think the next okay. one you're going to get is just that one he has already lined up. We'll see. I'll leave that to him. That's his Josh business. doing man-on-the-street interviews. <laughs> Please, someone talk Talking to, to the people. And I do want to mention real briefly that you may have noticed if you're a visitor to the website that you can no longer comment on the articles. We decided to disable the comments. Most of the activity takes place now on social and on our Discord and Facebook groups. So it just was one less thing for us to worry about. Uh, We apologize if you're one of the handful of people still commenting on the website, but there are many places now where the conversation is happening. So we decided to go that direction. We may just change our minds later, but for right now, let's see how that goes. I feel like this is a good step for your mental health. I want to put one more plug in for my app that I worked on in my other life, DC Batman Bat Tech Edition. It's an app for kids that focuses on Batman's technology. It's, it's an AR app. It's got fun AR missions. It's got a filters and stickers. It's got a comic book that's exclusive to the app. It's got all kinds of fun things. It's free on iOS and Android. Check it out. If you do check it out, consider leaving a review and a star rating. Uh, we worked for over a year on it, and we're really proud of it. Lucius Fox over here. Batman Tech. If you got kids or your kid at heart, DC Batman Bat Tech Edition. And okay, let's talk about ending the show. iFanboy.com. That's where you can find all the podcasts I just talked about. You can find our vast history of comic book writing. We joked on our last hangout about starting a Substack, 
And someone in the chat asked, hey, are that fanboy's even good at writing? And I was like, well, you can go to thatfanboy.com and you can find 13 years of it. Judge for yourself. It's a time capsule. It's a time capsule from 2003 through 2013, basically. Pop culture has changed. A lot. A lot. You can find a lot of great writing from Mr. Paul Montgomery himself. You can find a lot of embarrassing takes, hot takes. Oh, man. All kinds of things. So many. Sometimes people send me old articles and i'm like who wrote that yeah <laughs> once you're the churn sometimes bad bad <laughs> opinions come out and so those are all ifanboy.com facebook.com slash ifanboy and ifanboy on twitter is where you can find uh what the pick is before the show comes out as well as ifanboy comics on instagram and you know what sometimes we do the best week in panels we haven't really done it much in the last month you know why it's summertime it's hot i basically have saturday to do the best week in panels usually and if i have things going on saturday they don't happen and i apologize but you got to do what you got to do for your mental health. So I'm, I'm hoping to get some up this weekend. Hopefully they were up this weekend. I, I'm crossing my fingers. Individually, we are CS Kilpatrick on Instagram. Fuzzy Typewriter on Instagram with t- Twitter. That's me. YouTube.com slash iFanboy. We're uploading all the old video shows of the Patrons Unlocked. The last week we had a mini episode reviewing Invincible Volume 9 out of this world. We had a Comics for Kids episode. And we had a 10 years of Ultimate Spider-Man look back. And those are all at no, YouTube.com slash iFanboy. Consider subscribing. So you don't miss out on any of the shows. It's a content cornucopia. Yeah. Cornucopia. Mm-hmm. All right. If you dig this show, write us a review or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Or better yet, tell all your friends, your mom, your kid, the letter yeah. carrier. Do it. About this situation, this whole situation, all the content. Don't leave out anything. Don't leave out the YouTube. Don't leave out the Instagram. No, in fact, you should you should just repeat this entire ending for them. I can send you the script. We should have pamphlets. Yeah. You should be handing out. I had an electrician over today to fix the uh, outlet, and I was like, hold on. I got five minutes of copy to read at you while you work. <laughs> I don't think he's going to subscribe. And now they're a fan for life. <laughs> they're going to be a lurker. Paul... Thank you for coming on the show when Josh decided he was triple booked and couldn't do it. Thank you for inviting me on this very strange week of comics. Very strange. I feel like sometimes when I do the guest spots, which can be years between visits, Uh I end up on a really weird week. You know, these things happen. I found a new favorite in Amazing Fantasy. There you go. I was happy. I was like, you should check this out. I think I told you that even before I read the second issue. And uh, I'm glad you liked it. So there you go. Even if I just got one new person named Paul to read the book, my job is done. Thanks, Paul. I'm Connor. It's your mission. I'm Paul. Stay safe out there. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.